Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. This show helps you fly higher in endeavors that make a difference. Are you ready? Cultivate excellence through work that enhances the lives of others. It's time to be creative on purpose. This season is called Local Focus, and my guests are artists and creative entrepreneurs from in and around my hometown of Floyd, Virginia. These are folks carving out a living in rural America by leaning into creative endeavors done with and for their friends and neighbors, enterprises that leverage curiosity, courage, and clear intention. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor, Cultivate Excellence While Making a Difference. You can learn more about me and my work at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Jamie Rigel, welcome to the broadcast. How are you? <laughs> no, you're not going to give me this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if that's the case, then please tell us who you are, what you're up to these days, and where we can connect with you to learn more about you and what you're up to online. Well, um, my name is Jamie Rago, as you said. Uh, I'm the executive director of Instill Mindfulness Southwest Virginia. Uh, we are all about helping people have better lives um, through mindfulness and, um, and hopefully health, healthier communities as well. Um, you can find us at instillmindfulness.org. Um, and I don't know. What else do you want to know? What, what do we do? Well, so I, I love what you said about um, Instill Mindfulness is about helping people live better lives. So what is a life well-lived, Jamie? What is a life well-lived? Well, I guess from the perspective of mindfulness, which is where we're coming from, a life well-lived is one in which you get to experience as much of it as possible. So as you're aware, mindfulness is all about being present. And the reason we're trying to be present is so we can experience this, whatever this is, good, the bad, the ugly. If we're here for it, that to me is a life well lived. If we're spending our entire life elsewhere, um, in the somewhere else, or as Joe Klein would say, somewhere else, <laughs> um, we're not really experiencing life. We're experiencing some uh, imaginary existence. Uh, whether it's the past or the future, it's both. They're both imaginary. They're both constructs. Um, the only thing that is real, that really exists, is this moment, which is incredibly elusive. Like, like I heard someone talking about it just yesterday. They're an ac academic, and they were convinced that the only thing that doesn't exist is the present. The, the past and the future exist. The present doesn't. And I can understand that coming from an academic because they spend so much time in their heads anyway that to actually experience the moment is probably close to impossible for a lot a lot of people, uh, especially in academia. Um, and even for someone who practices mindfulness on a daily basis uh, like myself, it's it's very elusive. It's very hard to find that moment. But every now and then you get to experience this moment. Like so often, even when we're in the moment, the moment we're in the moment, we go, ah, I'm in the moment. The moment <laughs> you realize you're in the moment, you're no longer in the moment. You're in the past. So it's, it's um, but a life well lived is getting as close to that as possible. In, in A Course in Miracles, which I'm a big fan of, it's a great book, um, it, it says something along the lines, of, it talks about the holy instant and it says, the holy instant, um, the closest approximate, and the holy instant is basically the closest approximation you can get to eternity, the experience of eternity. So the moment, this moment, being here right now, is the closest you can actually get to experiencing eternity. 
And of course, the irony of that is that if eternity exists, nothing else can. Hmm. It's like all time, it's just everything. So it's like the, the one thing that exists and can only exist is the one thing we don't actually get to experience. So a life well lived is approximating eternity as much as possible. I love it. Fantastic. Well, um, so obviously you're deeply engaged in helping people live this life well lived as you, uh, as you described it through the experience of mindfulness. And so maybe do give us a little bit more of a, of a idea of what exactly instill mindfulness is up to and, and how they're helping people live this life more well lived. Well, we do it in a number of ways. Uh, education, res- uh, resources, retreats and clubs which is something we've just introduced these mindfulness clubs so um education we we teach mindfulness uh in businesses wherever we can we run regular classes here at the uh floyd center for the arts on mondays they're just uh donation-based classes um we we uh lead retreats regularly um, I guess that's in the retreat section there. Um, and we also do a comprehensive uh, program for faculty and staff in the in local public schools, uh, in the region's public schools. Uh, it's a 28-hour program. We provide it completely free of charge. Um, and through that, uh, we're giving these faculty and staff the, the tools to bring mindfulness into their classrooms and their work environments um, and to really make a difference that way. And, and it's a practice that um, deepens over time. Mm-hmm. And so we're really hopeful that with this head start, with this 28-hour program, um, they can get into it and then start to develop their practice and bring more and more of that into their work. And I'm not just saying, oh, they get to teach the kids mindfulness. That's, you know, what they get to do is lead by example. And what they get to do is start making mindfulness-based decisions and interventions in the classroom. Um, they're using their inner wisdom through doing this. And through that, we expect greater engagement and greater, um, just better teaching. Um, and they're sharing this with all these kids. And this is a way we have a vision to instill mindfulness throughout the region. We figure if these teachers are starting to bring this into their classrooms, the kids are getting influenced by it and we're influencing a whole bunch of people. So we teach, say, 30 teachers. Um, That's going to reach how many kids? Like each of them is probably connecting directly with about 50 kids on a regular basis on average. So that's like 1,500 kids straight off the bat and that's just in one year. So um, we're we're really hopeful that... um, that that program is going to create a deepening sense of mindfulness in the region. So that's that. Resources we have through our website, we provide a lot of uh, connections, including to Creative On Purpose, um, to mindfulness-related resources in the region um, and for people in the region. Um, we do the retreats. We do often uh, day-long and weekend retreats. Um, don't have any scheduled right now. But what we're looking for at the moment is sponsors to help us put on the retreats. Um, there's a lot of different ways they could do that. If it's a business, they could guarantee X amount of people turn up or something like that. Just it, It's hard to put on a retreat just on your own as an organization when you're doing all these other things too. And then there's clubs. Um, and so what we've noticed in so much mindfulness practice in this country 
the things that are missing from it are community and service. Um, and they're just such key parts of mindfulness. Is if you have a community to, to uh, that's also going through the same stuff and, and, and practicing the same stuff, you've got things you can share, um, experiences you can share, practices you can share, and just a commonality of understanding and, and experience. And then th these are mindfulness and service clubs. So the service element is also based on community in developing community-mindedness in the communities in which these uh, clubs operate. So um, our hope there with these clubs, which I, whether they're just in the pilot stage now, but is to really develop some really tight communities um, within the clubs and also start developing the communities uh, that the clubs are in um, and creating more community-mindedness and community spirit, um, which I think is really important these days. Um, you know, the day of the internet and the big box stores and everything else, we're, we're losing that sense of community. We're very fortunate here in Floyd, Scott, to mm. live in a really tight community, a tight-knit community. Um, but you travel through the country and there are so many places where there's just this massive disconnect between neighbours, um, between, you know, left and right, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so the more we can bring people together and realise just how much they have in common. Um, you understand with mindfulness, there's this concept of oneness that comes through mm -hmm. it that you get to, as you meditate and as you practice, you really get that sense of there is this connection between all things. And and we really want to foster that and, 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 and uh, encourage that because uh, that, I think, is bringing people together and it's, it can change a lot of the duality and the divides we see in this country love it. and in this world, you know. Um, well, one of the things I really love about the work that you're doing and, and the community or the, the organization that you're a part of is, is, is that idea of connecting with the community, connecting with young people, connecting and then building interconnectivity amongst all the, the people that you're, you're, I'm working with. And I think one of the things that your organization and my enterprise creative on purpose has in common is this idea that we are cultivating excellence within ourselves through the act of sharing that and elevating the lives of others at the same time that we, that it's not an either or it's not a, some sort of finite game. We're all playing this infinite game where um, the more we can encourage everybody to keep playing, the, the better off we all are. You've alluded already to a couple of things that are challenging, you know, around the mindfulness piece, um, the visiveness and in, in, um, kind of distraction in our, in our society today. But I'm wondering about um, just, and you, you can speak to challenges to mindfulness uh, if you want, but I'm, I'm more curious, especially in this season, as I'm talking to the, my friends and neighbors employed, um, where we live in a very rural area, very tight knit, as you said, um, but, you know, there, there are challenges to just carving out a living in rural America. Um, and Floyd's a good example of a place where a lot of people are doing that very, very well, but there are significant challenges to that. What do you, what are you, what do you see as the challenges and how, you know, how did you kind of engage your curiosity, your courage and your creativity to kind of help cultivate what you're working on with instill mindfulness? Wow. Um, so 
Well, the challenges, uh, I think you laid them out. We're, we're in a rural area. There's no industry base. Um, there's no tax base. Um, so many people in this county commute outside of the county to work. Um, and that means all those tax dollars are going there and all that money is being made there. And it's just so it, it, it there is so many people in this county that are finding ways to, to make ends meet um in creative ways which i love what you're doing here with this podcast identifying some of them but it just it seems to be the way you you either have to find some way to make things work or you've got to run a treadmill and you often have to run that treadmill outside of the county which is quite a commute you know you're talking about a hundred mile mile round trip daily it's like that's that's some ways and so um uh, yeah, it's a challenge, and hopefully through creative enterprises and everything else that's going on, we can create more opportunities in Floyd for, for more people to work. We would definitely love to be in a position where we could employ people, um, and we do. We employ uh, mindfulness teachers uh, uh, on a contract basis for our schools program, for our retreats, for a number of our classes and things like that. But it's sporadic, you know. It, it, it's it's not a it's not a guaranteed income, and it's definitely not a it's not a living wage. Um, <laughs> and I'm barely on living wage myself. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, non-profit. So, so yeah, I like to say we're a, we're a faith-based organisation. We're we're <laughs> secular, fiercely secular. But um, but when it comes to money, we're definitely a faith-based organisation. It's like it'll come. Um, mm. We've been very fortunate from the beginning to have one donor who um, is very supportive of what we do, and that person has managed to has has been our main supporter throughout. Um, without that person, we would we wouldn't exist as an organisation. So, and that's kind of how it started. Um, I was uh, I used to work for a guy called Joe Klein, who I referenced earlier. He uh, started an organisation called IBME. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. They're now a national organization. They do retreats for teenagers. They did a retreat last year in England. So I guess now they're an international organization. But he founded that just down the hill here in Woolwine mm -hmm. um, back in 2007, I think. And I think in 2008, I, I uh, staffed the first, uh, my first one of those retreats, which I think was their second retreat. Um, and I've since staffed perhaps a dozen of those retreats. But back in around 2011, 2012, he invited me to be his administrator here in the Floyd office he had across the road at the Junebug Centre. Um, and he was running an operation here and then they were running the main operation up in Massachusetts or wherever it was mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and he was doing all sorts of Joe things like this and that and the other. And he's, he's very creative, Joe, and he's, he's always finding new things to do. Um, and one of the things he was doing was teaching mindfulness to fourth graders in the local elementary school, Floyd Elementary School. Um, and I came along to a couple of those classes, audited a couple of those classes, and then started teaching some of those classes. Then Joe... Um, left I'd be me and started Springhouse Community School, which coincidentally is now based here as well mm -hmm. um, in this complex. Um, and he started that. Uh, and when he did that, I went off and did my own thing. And uh, I don't know, a few months later, the next year, whatever it was, the, uh, the school counselor at Floyd Elementary 
bumped into me and said, hey, we'd love to have you back teaching mindfulness. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I approached this donor because I knew they'd been supportive of Joe and asked them, hey, would you support me in doing this? And they said, sure. And they, they gave me a bit of money each, each quarter to just proceed with that. Um, and I did that for a while. And then it was, the, I just had this realization one day that this is what I want to do. I just want to do, have mindfulness involved as much as possible in my life in every way. I'd love to be sharing it with as many people as possible because um, I find so many benefits for myself and I want to share that. And um, not long after that, I sat down and wrote a business plan. And the first thing that came out with the business plan was it's got to be a nonprofit, which, as you know, means that you know it's no longer your business. It's like you're at the, uh, at the mercy of your board. Um, and I started the nonprofit in 2016, May 2016, we were incorporated. Uh, August 2016, we received our nonprofit status and had our first board meeting. And now we're nearly three years old. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, first of all, I want to just go ahead and leap on the Joe Klein bandwagon because Emerson, my youngest son, um, experienced mindfulness through some of Joe's very earliest workshop when he was a, a young teenager. Yeah. Um, and it had a really profound impact and it was something that was very important to him. And so one of the, the, the threads that I'm hearing in your reflection on like how, how you got from there to here is this idea, first of all, of, of um, kind of uh, connection and, and collaboration. You know, we're, we're all kind of in this community uh, community and collaboration, really. We're, you know, moving in and out of relationships and groups, and it seems very fluid, but it's all very collaborative and kind of non-competitive, which is one of the things I love about this area, that we all kind of realize that we're in it together, and so there's this just impulse to to help when we can, as we can. Um, but the other thing that that's striking me that 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 I actually write quite a bit about in um, my book is this idea that when you're pursuing your endeavor with intention and integrity, the other things that so often we think are the goals, like the, the money or the status, um, you know, the, if we don't pay attention to those things, but just pay attention on doing what we know is right and what we know is of service and necessary, how the other things just kind of seem to often present themselves. Um, and I love what you said about being a faith-based organization. I think my life has been a faith-based <laughs> faith-based journey. Um, but it's it, it is surprising to me how uh, it's not surprising. It's just it, it it's always inspiring to me how many people we have in this community that are pursuing enterprises that are their own, that are creative in nature, or where they're applying their creative capacity to bring them to, to life. And, you know, it would appear, despite the odds, that, that, that people thrive and flourish, and these enterprises touch other people's lives. And it really does en enhance our community, which is, I think, one of the reasons why, um, you know, Floyd is such a, a special place. So, We've talked a little bit about the challenges to just engaging in endeavors in general in, in rural America. What about going a little bit deeper into the challenges to your main occupation, which is helping cultivate mindfulness? What what are the what are the things that um what are the obstacles that all of us have? And I would love if if you're willing and have 
um, something that you could present, just, you know, some sort of actionable, uh, you know, exercise or practice that viewers could take away and so that they can start you know, trying to cultivate a, a presence and mindfulness practice of their own. Okay. Um, so, so the challenges. Um, I guess well, specifically I'm thinking about just the digital age. I mean, what we're doing right now is adding to the digital noise and the digital yeah. distraction, right? Uh -huh. um, we hope that it does more good than harm. <laughs> but, you know, this is the thing that I see. Um, even in, you know, full disclosure, Jamie and I are neighbors, literally. Uh, I, I'm in the office across from him at the Floyd Center for the Arts, and I'm teaching guitar lessons there every afternoon. While I'm, so I corrupted the youth of Floyd with guitar lessons while Jamie corrupts them with mindfulness, um, which may explain a lot about the, the, the state of affairs in our town. Um, but uh, yeah, so just kids coming into a guitar lesson with their phones on and, you know, checking things, you know, in between exercises or songs or, or whatnot, th those kind of things. How does... That seems like it would be a challenge to our, our presence and mindfulness. And how, how can we um, do better with uh, managing our, our digital devices instead of letting allowing them to manage us? Well, that's an excellent question. I remember um, watching uh, Pink Floyd live at Pompeii. Um, it's a documentary on Pink Floyd. And there was a piece in it. And it was, they were making Dark Side of the Moon at the time. You get like... Uh, but... Um, they interviewed Roger Waters at one point and he was very clear on like, you've got to let the, you've got to control the instruments, not have the instruments control you. Mm. And I, I think that that's more applicable today than it was then. And as you say, and so, so I've got a phone here and I'm as guilty as anyone as scrolling through it from time to time um, and not getting off. What, what we talk about a lot are choice points, and the choice points come through awareness. So and that's what mindfulness is, right? It's just raising awareness. So when you're aware that something is an issue, you then have a choice point to act on it. Chances are you won't act on it, but you have a choice point. Um, when you don't have a choice point, you just find yourself multitasking, doing all these things, and not being aware when you're not aware that like all these things are interfering one with your peace of mind, but two with your capacity, you know, when you're trying to do a whole bunch of different things at once, you're not as good at any of them. And, you know, and when you practice mindfulness, you understand why you really get to understand that when I multitask, I'm, I don't have my intention in any one place. And when I don't have my attention in any one place, I'm ineffective. I make mistakes. And then I have to, fix up my mistakes and things take longer when you multitask. So, um, so what we try and do is use these tools in a way that is mindful in our own way. And we, we really don't tell people this is how you should do things. We give people the opportunity to become aware of what the issues are for them and then they have the choice point. They have the opportunity to do something about it when and if they choose. And like I say, sometimes you just don't choose. Sometimes I'll scroll through this phone for a lot longer than I know is healthy or, or worthwhile or, you know, I know I'm not getting anything out of life out of doing it and I could be, you know, meditating right at that time and getting a whole lot more out of life and, you know, I make that choice and that's okay. I'm aware. 
all right? Um, but even simple things. You're walking down the street and you think, oh, I need to check such and such, and you pull out your phone. Stop. You can do that, but just stop. Just do that. You know, um, even talking on your phone, if you can, stop. Mm. Be there and talk. Just stick it to one thing at a time and be present with this thing. Like you see all these people walking in the lampposts and things, and it's hilarious because it's like, why were you doing that? Why did you think you could walk and text at the same time? Like we, we, we don't have dual attentions. It's, it's like what's happening with attention is we've got when I'm doing two things at once or three things at once, I'm not. I'm doing this and then 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 I'm doing this. So we're stopping and starting, stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And it's in the stopping and starting that most of the energy is used. And it's, so it's like just do one thing. You'll get there a whole lot quicker if you do, and you probably won't bump into a lamppost. If you're <laughs> I love the uh, – there's one of my favorite Viktor Frankl quotes I've come to learn is perhaps not related to Viktor Frankl quote and may indeed be some sort of uh, mindfulness quote um, is um, between stimulus and, and response – uh, well, I, I've not been able to find the documentation. So if you can find it for me, great. I, I can win a bet. But um, between stimulus and response, there is a pause. Within that pause lies our choice and our freedom. Mm-hmm. And what I love about what you're saying, and this is, again, something that we share uh, in terms of the work that we do, because it's deeply um, important to the work that I do, is that, you know, there are these, you, you call them choice points. I call them agency points. So we have, we have agency over how we choose to see things and what we decide to do next. And we can create a narrative that convinces us that that's not the case, but it, it, actually, it always is the case that we have the ability to frame things in a way that will enable us to take, make better choices or make choices and step into what's next with a little bit more intention and in, integrity. Um, the other thing that I loved about what you were saying, and, and we'll have to start wrapping things up here because our time is coming to a, an end, is this: you, you, you said something about being aware. It, it, it brought to mind this idea of, um, you know, having self-compassion or, or, or grace for one. Like when you catch yourself doing something that you wish you weren't doing, that's not a, a, an excuse or an invitation for self-shaming. It's just an awareness, a recognition that this is happening. This, this is, this just happens. And then you have in the present moment, your next opportunity to frame things in a certain way and take, make a better choice or uh, take a, take a better step forward. Really, really fascinating stuff. So Jamie, this is a been a great conversation. I think that people are going to take a lot away from it. I would love before we get into the final question, if you would one more time, uh, please let people know where they can connect with Instill Mindfulness and and with you on the internet. We're at instillmindfulness.org. Instill has two L's. Mindfulness has one. Instillmindfulness.org. And you can find out all sorts of stuff about us there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You know, we're on, on the interwebs. You can um, also uh, just Google Mindfulness Southwest Virginia and you'll find us. No problem. Fantastic. Well, so, Jamie, I, I have a last question that I'm going to be asking everybody this season. And so you're my guinea pig um, since you're the first guest of the season. It's I would love for you, if you would, just to share one uh, idea, practice, or tip that you can share with anyone listening who dreams of starting a creative 
uh, inspired enterprise like the one that you've built? Wow, idea of practice. You, you know, let's let's stick with mindfulness. Like as a practice, like get still, get real still. Um, uh, one of my favorite teachers has an expression: "Follow the simple directions." It's like stop thinking that you're in control. Stop thinking that 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 you need to make decisions, and just get real still and listen. Pay attention, and the next step will will make itself obvious to you know the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step you only have to make that step you don't need to do the next 999.9 miles right i love it fantastic well thanks everybody for tuning in and uh jamie raggles i really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention and expertise and we hope that you the viewers uh pull something out of this broadcast that motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage you can learn more about jamie Rigel and instill mindfulness at instillmindfulness.org that's two L's and one L respectively. And of course, it's always great to see you at becreativeonpurpose.com. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Jamie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you.